Welcome to the Nursing and Midwifery Emporium podcast, a podcast about this nursing life. I'm Nicole Nash-Arnold from Nurse Manager HQ. And I'm Sue Walker from the Nursing CPD Institute. And together each week, we seek out interesting people to discover what a red-hot nursing life looks like. Today, I welcome to this Nursing Life microphone, my co-host, Nicole Nash-Arnold. Nicole is the founder of Nurse Manager HQ. Nurse Manager HQ is an online education platform designed to help nurses with all things non-clinical, leadership, communication, burnout, resilience, workplace wellness. Nicole's mission is to make happy hospitals and health services where nurses live a great nursing career free from stress, burnout and workplace adversity. So welcome to the microphone, Nick. Tell me a little bit more about how Nurse Manager HQ came about. Well, it really came about when I was a junior manager. So even though it took a couple of decades in the making, came about because when I was in the operating theatre, it's my clinical background, I was one of those typical nurses that got to that clinical expertise where I could scrub for pretty much anything that came through the door. So whether it was a core prolapse or a ruptured AAA or the gunshot wound or whatever was going to hit our trauma team, then I was pretty comfortable in scrubbing for that. And then somehow, because I knew how to do those things, there was some sort of cognition that therefore I'd be a great manager. And so then I found myself in a leadership role as nurse manager with 170 staff and millions and millions of dollars in my budget in a time in my life where I could barely pay my own power bill on time. So they're just so totally different neural pathways. And at the time, and it's not too dissimilar now, there wasn't a lot of support or professional development or training around how to change those neural pathways from being a nurse into being a nurse leader. So it was a bit of a train wreck, if I'm honest. And I made all of these woeful mistakes and wasn't at all an authentic, genuine leader as to who I was as a person. And so then after some time, another opportunity came and I became an after-hours coordinator of one of the largest private hospitals in Australia. And that meant that I could play around with leadership techniques on my own, probably because the nurse managers on the day shift had to clean up my mess, but it worked for me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I started to work out this nursing leadership gig and then went off and did a whole load of other things in terms of nursing director roles and a nurse manager and became you know more of an expert in that space and so looking back I realized that there was probably a better way for really accomplished nursing clinicians to become really empowered nursing leaders without years of trial and error. So Nick, what are some of the greatest challenges that you see nurses facing when they move into that leadership role? There's an enormous amount of self-doubt and I experienced it when I moved from a nursing role as an accomplished nursing clinician into a nursing leadership role, which was raging imposter syndrome. Yep. And there's enormous amount of research around it. There's a couple of really good TED Talks that talk about that imposter syndrome and it's worse for women. So in our industry, it's even worse. 
you get to this gig and there were so many days I felt like ringing my nursing manager and say, you better get yourself a real leader. Like I'm just a raging giant Get yourself fraud. someone who knows what they're doing. Because <laughs> yeah. girlfriend, it ain't me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was really easy to focus on all the things I didn't know how to do as opposed to the things that I did. And I remember this one time, I don't know if you remember that Jamie Oliver show, 15. He plucked randomly 15 kids off the street and, oh, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. Yeah, put them through a, an apprenticeship and most of them made it and some of them have made amazing careers out of it. And as fun as Jamie Oliver is in his shows, he's a typical chef in the kitchen and quite the tyrant. And that kind of shocked me. And I remember sitting there as a really junior manager, I'd probably been on in the role a couple of months thinking, oh, right, so that's what a manager and a leader is meant to be. I'm meant to be this person that's stalking around my way or the highway. And I was really uncomfortable with that. But I thought, oh, well, that's what I've got to be. And I had this group of nurses that I called the 30 half dozen. They know that old nursing eat their young thing. That's how I perceived that they were doing. And I went in with the big stick and I smacked them for everything they were doing. Had I spent two minutes being more authentic to who I was and looking at what their experience was and asking some questions and talking to them, then my view and my approach would have been really different. So I just made an enormous number of mistakes because I wasn't being genuine to who I was as a person. Mm. And I think, so the imposter syndrome and not knowing who you are and having these preconceived ideas about what a leader is can be really toxic. Uh, And the third big mistake I think that nurses make when they move into a leadership role is time management. They really feel like they are being dragged back to the clinical floor and back into the office and they end up working 12-hour days. And I remember this one nurse manager saying to me that he was running a cath lab and at CCU at the same time too, you know. So he came on at 6 to take the keys off the night duty staff here, hand over and help out. Morning staff came, he handed over to them. He, the same night duty came back where he handed over at 7 o'clock to the same night duty staff. And they were like, oh, well, we're a bit understaffed. You know, can you help out? And then when he wanted someone to relieve him for holidays, everyone said, well, you work 13 hours a day. I'm not doing your job. It's rubbish. So it's really hard to get your head around boundaries and that impacts time management, I think. Yeah, true, true. That's an interesting example. I'd love him. Mm. Nick, there's a lot of talk about teamwork, so much so that we inevitably bank on it being a question in any nursing role that you go for, really. Mm. We're here to do a job, care for our clients. Is teamwork that important? It's pretty essential to everything that we do. And without teamwork, then it's really difficult for people to be able to function. Nursing is a contact sport and it isn't something that you can do on your own. Like we bump up each other in the corridors and when we're in the Mm. medication room and like it's a really contact sport. And that's one of the things that I think nurses don't fully appreciate. We focus on how important it is to develop skills and our clinical advancement and making sure we are experts in our clinical niche and we forget the importance of how much that teamwork plays a role. Mm. And high trust teams, like the research around high trust teams 
is amazing. Nurses are coming to work in, in any profession, not just nursing, but any team that has a high trust team means that people come to work with 106% more energy, they come 50% more productive and 76% more engaged. And it's pretty significant that instead of someone slumping into the handover room, rolling their eyes going, kill me now, give it to me, you know, what's going on? If they're gonna come with 100% more energy, and they're walking in that room going, great, this is going to be a good shift. Let's get into it. And that is a really different mindset. Um, if they're coming with 50% more productivity, it means that while our nursing ratios might be one to four, 50% more productive means they can take six. Now, we never want our ratios to be permanently like that. But the fact is some days it goes to poo and there's arrests and there's patients coming in from the ED and there's whole things going just in an acute care setting, let alone what's going on in residential aged cares in the community. And so sometimes we have to step up and put in more with less. And if you've got a high trust team, you can do that with your eyes shut. And certainly I know by looking at the roster what sort of shift I'm going to have. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, client acuity has nothing to do with it. No. You can walk in and look around who's on with you and you can immediately go, right, I'm in for a rough time here. Or you can walk in and go, well, this is going to be a breeze and you haven't looked at one client, one bit of patient acuity, nothing. You just know by looking around. And that comes from trust. And the interesting thing with teamwork, though, is everyone needs to know the rules of the team. Yes. And everyone needs to play and play nicely. Yeah. And everyone needs to be able to put their hand up, bad day guys, and the rest of the team will come around. Mm. And that's what you talk about, I know, within the work you do. It's trying to get people to learn the rules and to be able to play nicely. Yeah, and that can be really tough. In any relationship, that trust is fundamental when you're in Mm. a personal relationship. And we're in a funny way in workplaces where we're forced to have relationships with people that we otherwise really wouldn't have given the time of day. So it's an altered way in which you have to develop a relationship that you would intuitively as a human being. But it doesn't change the fact that trust is going to be the answer to really excellent outcomes for your patient. And if you do walk in and go, these people are just raging duds, then you are invariably going to have a really rough shift and the patients are going to have a rough time for it because you're going to be standing at the drug cupboard thinking, gosh, you know, these people are just raging dodos and you're not going to be thinking about the morphine that you're drawing up. Like it has a direct relationship on outcomes and about our productivity. And you don't have to love them. You like, don't have to you, love them. You don't have to marry them. Like no. it's not a, it's not about creating a buddy. It's about creating an environment where there's professional respect. Mm. I read looks- this um, nursing journal recently about how trust <laughs> is our most core bankable asset as a nurse in terms of our relationship with our patient. And it made a really good point that as nurses in our professional role, we care about and care for while not always like our patient. And so it goes to extend that to we can care about and care for our colleagues even though we don't necessarily like them. True. Like if you chose your patient based on who you like, you wouldn't care for that many people. You really wouldn't. No. And I've, you know, I think we've all got stories about how we have cared for some shocking people who have been rude, obnoxious, a number of 
personal qualities that would not be in our choices that we would welcome into our personal lives, but it didn't stop you caring for and caring about what happened to them. And they got a great outcome irrespective of... And that's what being a professional is, isn't it? Like it's, mm. it's the duck on the pond stuff, having the the scientific knowledge base, the skill, knowledge and task form to be able to deliver so that that person gets what they need. Yeah, and trust. And, and we need the collective process to work within the team. And the amazing thing is that we are experts more than any other profession around the value of trust, that it's more mm. than just a contract. We're not just contracted to turn up and develop a trusting relationship with our patients. It is a covenant that we enter into. And so we are already skilled in that area, but we need to apply it to our colleagues because that's going to protect us from a number of things, workplace adversity, burnout, stress. Like when you're working with your mates, then you have fun. And when you're working with the duds that you can't stand, then you don't. Yeah, true. Now, nurses will often say, morale is terrible here. Mm. Why do you think that is? What makes a great what makes a great nursing culture? Well, other than the fact that trust is the number one thing that's going to make your culture thrive and survive or curl up and die then there's a number of things that I think is going to be really important to a really great culture. And great communication is obviously going to be one of them. It's interesting when you look at the statistics around workplace adversity, where workplaces are really unhealthy, that there are a number of things that contribute to it. And the sort of things that we know contribute to workplace adversity are things like staffing levels. When your roster is terrible and you're coming to work, you know, the only senior clinician and you've got to be in charge and you've got the keys and you've got a sea of agencies who don't even know where to find the Panadol, then that makes for a really unworkable place. Union issues, like if the job is unstable, the safety issues... When we are working in a place where we feel intuitively unsafe and nurses are really excellent at intuition and Mm. we know about safety and what's good and what's bad, even though we can't necessarily articulate it in so far as it's like when you walk into a patient and you look at them and you go, oh, they're about to arrest and Mm. yet their observations are fine. We are really good at intuitively seeing that and we're good at seeing that in our workplaces as well, that there's something wrong with our workplace in terms of safety and colleague tension whether that's intergenerational conflict or there's a skill mix problem or that thing we we just talked about that you can walk in and go duds or they're the greatest people on earth if you walk in and you think duds every day then you're going to have a lot of problems in your workplace in terms of workplace adversity and all of those contribute to stress and burnout and that's where people start to make noise around morale's bad there's no camaraderie because relationships break down Mm. yeah no true but mind you if you're walking into the workplace every day and it was dud 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 Mm. it may be more a reflection on maybe this isn't for me you know maybe you know this this is not for me and and that's the decision that you have to come to as well isn't it it is and i think that's one of the things that people don't fully appreciate in terms of my workplace is unhealthy and I am unhealthy in that workplace, you're not required to be there. You're not bonded. There's lots of options, even if those options aren't as good. Parking's really good here or I love the patients or it's my clinical niche or it's close to home. There's a million reasons why this might 
suit you, but if it's an unhealthy workplace for you and you're not functioning there and there's a lot of adversity, then it's a time to take control of that situation for yourself as well. Right, so you might take a short-term loss, Mm. you know, you might be able to get the position you actually want in the days you want, but, you know, you take a short-term loss to give yourself time to find something better that would suit you. I did a course up in Cairns a couple of years ago and there were three nurses that drove about an hour to and from work every day. They actually drove past three other facilities that they could have worked in that met their clinical niche, but they went to this one at great personal inconvenience. And I said, what is it about that one as opposed to the others? Like, are they really unsafe or what is it? And they said, there's an X factor around this place. We love the manager. The team is really good. We're really great when we're working together and we just feel like we're part of something special. And that's the difference between like the, that might be convenient or the parking might be great or, you know, it's close to pick up the kids. But it's a really long time to spend your life in a place that you're unhappy for things as opposed to that satisfaction you get from being a part of something special. That's exactly right. And that's when, uh, like, you have conversations with colleagues and they're obviously hating on where they are. And you think to yourself, slavery is dead. You know, you do not need to stay here. You need to find something that brings you some joy. It's too long to spend your time earning money in a place that you hate. No, and I've had lots of jobs in my earlier career where I've liked the skill set but I didn't love the culture Mm. and so or the values of the organisation. And I actually remember a CEO of the organisation saying, this is who we are and what we're about. And if you don't like that, then we're not the organisation for you. And I remember thinking at the time, I'm a really experienced registered nurse. You should be eating your hand off to mm. have me. And then I thought about it for a while and thought, I'm actually not contributing. I was unhappy. I was disgruntled. I was the one contributing to the corridor conversations of, did you see that email? And what about this decision they've made? And so it eked out of my soul about how I didn't gel with this organisation from a values point of view, even though I loved the clinical work. And so I left, found something that was more aligned with what was important to me, and I was a completely different clinician for it. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that organisations need to take note of is that nurses are becoming far more aware of their right to a joyous work, you know, their right to be happy, their right to fit. Mm. So as an organisation, they need to take more time in reviewing what type of workplace they're providing for people. Well, it's a really important part. In fact, one of the contributors to workplace adversity is that patriarchy and lack of respect for nursing. Mm. And I think that is something that is really worth considering around the nursing voice and us having a really active role in shaping our workplaces. It's not just for the executives or the management team to build the culture. It is part of what we all do and how we all contribute to it. Being really active in that is incredibly important. But it's hard for nurses because we are doers. 
and so you know taking time out to think about and contribute to the intangibles takes away from the doing mm. i actually had this nurse educator who used to describe it as the laying on of the hands so if she had a graduate who was reluctant to get in there and get into the patient care she would say to them you know nursing's about laying on of the hands you know you've got to get in there and everything that we do really is about laying on of the hands and it sometimes can be to our detriment because then we define our success by how much of laying of hands that we are doing. But sometimes it's about critically thinking, not just about our patients, but about our workplace and our colleagues and taking that step back and thinking, how can I actively contribute to a place that I work in that doesn't have workplace adversity and is really a place where people come with 100% more energy and 76% more engaged and 50% more productive. Who wouldn't want to work in that workplace? Mm. Yeah, true. So, Nick, taking what you've just said in regards to nursing culture, what is it that you wish all nurses knew so that they can live their best nursing life? The thing that I wish all nurses knew so that they could live their best nursing life is that we are a much more powerful voice in our hospitals and health services than we think we are. Contribute to how productive our cultures are and how we move away from workplace adversity and work toward a place of workplace wellness, then we're in the driver's seat and we are fundamentally skilled and expert in doing that already. We are already experts in trust. We are already experts in delivering compassionate care, giving compassionate care and leadership to um, our colleagues is going to make for really amazing workplaces. And we spend a lot of time at work. So using our skills for not just for the good of our patients, but for the good of each other and our workplaces. And we're perfectly positioned to do that. Nick, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you for being our guest at the Nursing and Midwifery Emporium podcast today and sharing with us how nursing culture is our most valuable investment. My absolute pleasure, Sue. See you next time. Look forward to it. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Nursing and Midwifery Emporium. Make sure you visit us at the website www.nmemporium.com to subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to put someone forward for us to interview, go to the same website and just click on the button. See you guys. Take care. Bye.